0: Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to Tapva Tuesdays. This is Lindsay Warwick of Lindsay Warwick Yoga and Healing, also known as The Conduit on YouTube and Spotify. So for Tapva Tuesdays, we are doing a series of spiritual interviews where I have selected some of the most amazing beings to come on and talk about their spiritual experience and their spiritual offerings. So today, this week, we have Elaine Marie Rose. She is a shamanic rose priestess and ascension guide. And I have personally worked with Elaine several times and gotten to know her over the last year now. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast to talk about all of the things. So thank you so much, Elaine, for being here today.
1: Lindsay, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me
0: awesome yes so excited um i actually had the pleasure of doing a shamanic rose priestess mentorship with elaine last summer and it was just so beautiful and enlightening and amazing um but before we get into that i would love to know how you got onto
1: your spiritual path uh, well i would say my spiritual path got onto me is probably more <laughs> <faster>. <laughs> I'm not sure I had a lot of choice in the matter, but I'm very pleased that I got goaded in that direction. Um, I think I started slowly waking up from complete, you know, asleep, oblivion, in the matrix, probably around like 20, like 2006 or something like 2006. And it was very vague because I was, I was a very intellectual person at that point and didn't have any, want anything to do with God or any of that nonsense. Cause I had been raised as a Catholic and I, I just was, well, I don't want anything to do, do with that. But I started uh, doing some meditation Buddhist meditation because they t- kind of take the word God out of things. So that was a safe place for me to go. And I started to do self healing and that lasted for several years. And then, um, in 2011, 2012, Spirit came to find me, and basically, my entire life got wiped out. In the regular world, my job ended of a 16-year career as an executive. Everything, you know, I my children, the situation I had as a single mother changed, and my children went to live with their father, and just every every foundation that I had for my life went away, basically, just vanished, and. That's a little alarming, but it happens to everyone, you know, when they actually start to hit a certain point because you have to let go of that old life. And spirit really just came to me. Um, a little bit previous to that, I had been starting to get super interested in women's studies and peace and war and the effect on women and the abuse of women around the world. I had uh, started my own organization called Women Lead to Change, so showing how women around the world were bringing feminine-based leadership to problems around the world. And I had an e-magazine called Woman Changemaker where I wrote about those stories. And so I was, the feminine was coming to me. <laughs> but uh, I had always been very masculine in my career. I, I had very much been in my masculine energy for the majority of my life. and very independent. And so Divine Mothers eventually, you know, and the, the Ascended Masters started knocking on my door and started getting books coming to me and seeing things and visions and just having all these experiences. And before I knew it, I was full blown on my ascension path and haven't stopped really. Uh, It's been 10 years now and it's beautiful and intense and challenging, but I'm really glad that they woke me up. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm glad they woke you up too
1: because then I stumbled
0: (laughs) upon you as well. of course, as you're talking, all these questions are coming to me. First, I guess, how would you define ascension?
1: Well, ascension can be defined in many ways, but the simplest way that I know, because we like to keep it simple, is to ascend our state of consciousness, which goes along with a lot of other physical changes that happen. From uh, what I call a third dimensional contract, which is the fear-based consciousness that we see in most of the world, to a fifth 5th base, dimensional based consciousness, which is based on unity, harmony, divine love, uh, and well-being. So in very simple terms, that, um, that's what happens, but there's a very specific physical process that happens as well as you go through that process. People can use the term in a very vague way, but it's actually a very specific divine science of changes that happen at all levels not just as what we think of spiritual but actually physically as well so when you talk about
0: that are you referring to like f- physical changes that happen on a dna level or can you kind of elaborate a little bit about about the physical changes that might happen or have happened to you
1: yeah, <laughs> yes okay there, <laughs> there's, there's actually quite a few <laughs> it's it would it would take the whole show it would take the whole year (laughs) it would take way more than the show to really go into that in detail but yes one one way again to look at that is your dna will actually change um you know science tells us we have two strands of dna and that the rest of them are drunk dna well that's all our dormant spiritual dna and so as we go through the ascension process one of the things that physically happens is that other 10 strands of DNA becomes activated. And so we start to weave ourselves back into our spiritual lineage and heritage and connection to the multidimensional being that we actually are. So that's just one thing, but there's actually a lot of really powerful, physical things that happen to us that change literally the way the body functions. And so you'll experience, depending what age you are, um, I'm 49 now. But when I went through the the actual sacred union process with my higher self, I actually regressed in age. Like you could see a physical, um, I looked younger (laughs) because your body starts regenerating itself differently the way your mitochondria work, like everything actually changes in your physical body. It's you're no longer um, on the death program because you've activated the other 12 DNA. And so even though we're still in bodies that are gonna die, We're not going to be able to sustain our bodies forever in this iteration. They were originally created to be self-sustaining. So a little bit of that technology comes back online now as we progress and the earth ascends more, more and more and more of that till eventually we will be able to keep our bodies indefinitely regenerating.
0: I think that's so amazing. Um, And when you were talking before, you mentioned about okay, like the Ascended Masters came knocking on your door. Do you want to share an experience about how that happened for you? Maybe one of them or yeah. a, the most significant one that you feel
1: called to share right now? Well, actually, the most, there were been so many, but I'll, I, <laughs> I'm drawn to one that I had actually early, early in yeah. the process before like the, it really got going. Um, Mother Mary, I was driving up a canyon and I, I was living in Colorado at the time and she appeared to me as clear as day and she didn't, in this one, she didn't say anything because it was still pretty new to me. And of course, I was really familiar with her and loved her just because I had grown up Catholic. I didn't have anything negative, you know, negative connotation with Mother Mary. And she had the the huge, uh, they call it the, the sacred heart, the burning heart. And, and she appeared just like she does in the pictures, you know, with her hand like this and then pointing, pointing to this sacred heart, which is a very mystical, powerful symbol that's hidden within the Catholic <laughs> tradition. And so that was really my first very visceral connection with the Ascended Masters. And like I said, at that time, she didn't say anything, but she just had this beautiful energy. And it was like a, a calling to say, figure out what that is.
0: Mm
1: <laughs> like, I, love that you're
0: share- I love that you're yeah. sharing this message today. Yes. Yeah. It was just like,
1: dig into that, figure out what, what's that really means. And, and, you know, lo and behold, after all the, the teachings and understandings like that, it's very important, simple, not just a symbol. It's a real thing. <laughs> How
0: would you kind of like define it?
1: Well, the sacred heart is actually, um, a portal. And it's, it, it's a chakra, but it's not the heart chakra. It's, it's above the heart chakra and the, above the thymus gland. And it is the portal to our multidimensional self. And so when you ascend, you become very familiar with that place. When you go multidimensionally into the chamber of the sacred heart, you'll actually see the trifold flame, which is love, wisdom, and power of the divine, which we all have burning inside of us. Um, and before we wake up, it's there and it's just very quiet waiting. And when we go through our ascension process, it gets really activated and that flame actually grows and gets very significant. So there's many, many different reasons that that particular chakra is super important for the ascension process. It's also the place that when you do merge with your higher self, that the higher self comes into the body.
0: Wow. It's so, so amazing that you shared that I'm going to share something with you now is that I was, uh, you know, doing my 300-hour teacher training last year simultaneously as we were doing the mentorship. And I was in Tennessee, in the mountains of Tennessee, and I did some free painting after doing a cacao ceremony. So my heart was open and I painted this beautiful heart with a crown on it. And my intent was to pursue my sacred heart. And so that's what I feel like I'm doing here. And so I just think it's so amazing that you shared that, like my eyes lit up and it's something that I have also seen. And, and I have another painting that I did like in college, which I feel like I was a totally different being back then, but it was a, it was a mother Mary painting with that, with mm-hmm. the heart, except the painting that I did This might be a little dark, but you'll probably smile because I know you, mm-hmm. um, the heart was in thorns. And that's that's where I was (laughs) in college. Yes. And she's looking very somber. But then this last year, I painted this beautiful, sacred, crowned heart. And so that's kind of, it's so resonant that you, that you share that that was one of your first um, experiences.
1: It's a powerful place. It connects us to all levels of our multidimensional self. So it's very, very important. <laughs> and, and it's not surprising whether you were energetically feeling the thorns of, around the heart, but it, it's often on um, Jesus. The it, It's actually the sacred heart, they call it, and the immaculate heart, they call it on Mary, but they're really the same thing. But there's his crown of thorns is usually depicted. So you may have seen that at some point,
0: I'm also picked up. On that. I always love talking to you. We just laugh and smile, and I just love it. Um, yes, I definitely have seen seen some things on my on my spiritual path as well. Um, so, I also want to talk about how you know. I want to talk about your offerings for other people because you. I have had some remote healing sessions with you, and they are amazing. And I don't think I've ever actually asked you how, how you're doing it, but I have experienced profound shifts after experiencing a a remote healing session from you. So I'm just curious about how you actually do that because it's just so magnificent.
1: Well, it's something that, um, by going through the Ascension process and merging with my higher self. So that's my inner ascended master. And by raising my vibration up to that level, that gives me access now vibrationally to be in coherence with those higher dimensional realms where the masters are. So when I do a a distance healing that, that you experienced, I come to get you energetically and I take your energy bodies and we go up into the master realms. And I actually, am there as a conduit for you, the bridge that brings you there. But then I hand you over to my higher self and a council of masters and archangels and other, other beings that actually perform the healing. And I observe through, through the lens of my higher self who's participating. Um, and I watch everything that each master is doing and, and what, they're, um, what they're offering. And I think you've gotten the reports and they're, they're, it's pretty beautiful those sorts of things yeah. that happen. Um, and then when they're complete, um, and there's, you know, there's some more specific things that, that we do to secure the space. It's, it's a very, um, it's a beautiful and, and powerful sacred process of what happens. You're very safe in that space. And then when it's complete, I'm the conduit also to return and then ground that back into your, into your physical body. And then most people will feel some effects either during it, they can feel energy or see color. Some people don't feel anything or they just feel sleepy. A lot of people just pass out because the energy is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you don't experience anything during it, often people will feel a little soft or vulnerable or, or a variety of things afterwards. So I always say, you know, for the rest of the day, you need to drink a lot of water because it's in your physical body. And now the changes need everything that we cleared needs to actually clear out the physical body as well. So there's a, a release of that dross; it goes out of the body. So it's it's an honor to actually. They're so beautiful. I, I'm just watching, really. <laughs> they really are.
0: They really are so so beautiful. Um, when did you start doing those?
1: Um, I think I've been doing those for about three years, three or four years now. Because I had to get my vibration up to the point that I could that I could hold that energy. And actually go into those dimensional spaces. Um, And so, yeah, I think I was something like three or four years ago.
0: I think they're amazing. And I highly recommend it to anybody that wants to experience it or feels in alignment with it or feels the call. Just, yes, the recaps that you provide to your clients, it is so beautiful. I've saved them all and just kind of looked at them from time to time. So really, really beautiful stuff. So it's interesting how we met, right, Elaine? So you were doing a dark and light side of sexuality course that I was enrolled in. Um, And that's and I just felt the call to your energy. But I thought that that was a really um, profound program that you offered. Is there anything that you want to share about about that?
1: Yeah, I, I've, I'm actually going to be offering that again, probably in the spring. Um, oh, well, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, Because it was people really loved it and it's really powerful. And the purpose of that was really to help people understand what sexual energy is. In its full range of potential. And so that's why there was discussion of well, what's the darkness within the sexual energy and how can it be used in in that and understood in that context? And also, what's the the light or the sacred side of of what sexual energy is and how can it be repurposed and used in accordance with what it was originally meant or how it was intended to be used uh, as we are sacred beings of spirit and body? And the the rose path, the path of Mary Magdalene, or the Mary path, it has different ways. The path of the beloved is, that's a big part of that path is understanding um, the, the lineage of using our sacred sexuality in a way that also leads us to to our ascension process and, and using relationship with self and other as a catalyst for our spiritual path. So it, it's a really, people, really change and shift their ideas about what sex is what how they want to have it or if they want to have it and with who they want to have it understanding energetically what's really happening uh, when we have sex and how profound it is so that you might be a little more selective a lot more selective with your partners (laughs) once you understand the energetic connections that are happening Um, there's no such thing as casual sex
0: nope I don't believe in it. <laughs> it's sacred energy, sex, sacred yes. energy exchange. <laughs> yes. I don't do casual at all anymore. It doesn't exist to me
1: anymore. No. Nope. And, and you don't know until you know. And so it's not to beat ourselves up. We all have had those experiences and whether they were or weren't fulfilling or it doesn't matter. But once you do know, there tends to be just a wisdom that comes with that to say, okay, I just didn't realize what all this meant or could mean. And now I'm going to you know, choose to use it accordingly. So, so yeah, if anyone's interested, they can contact me and get on a waiting list. I'll, I'll probably offer it again in April of 2022. Awesome. And it's online. So Yeah. So
0: I actually like had a question like pop up into my brain when you were talking about that. I feel like this often happens on the podcast. I'm like, I could literally talk to you for hours. Like we could do the whole show with just me and you or whomever I've had on here. It's been amazing. There's so much to discuss, but I had a random thought well, I feel like that would definitely be a, a topic for your class, but this whole, like, I kind of want to know, like, so, because I don't believe like in casual sex either. So what are your thoughts about like polyamory and, and all of that? Like, I'm just curious about, because so, I know you, you know, you do a lot of work with sake, the sacred relationship, the sacred mat, divine masculine, divine feminine. And so what are your thoughts about like polyamory? Well,
1: I think that (laughs) it's an interesting topic. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) I'm I'm not for or against. I have no judgment of what anyone's path is because everyone goes towards what they need. So first I'll say that, but I don't recommend it. That's kind of my my line of thought as
0: well. I don't have judgment either, but I just wanted to know, tell me why.
1: Because when we come into the alchemical container of sacred sexuality, once we understand really what it is now, if someone's not in that container, they wouldn't understand. And just like you might have casual sex, then polyamory would make sense as well. If you aren't really looking to come into the the purpose of the sacred sexual container, which is alchemically to burn away all the dross and negative things inside of us. So when you make a choice to come together with someone, it brings up all your darkness. That's the dark and the light of sexuality. You better be careful what you're playing with. This energy is really powerful. And you're, you have all these wounds inside of you that are so tender and your inner child, and they're all going to come up in this really vulnerable, vulnerable space that you're sharing with someone. And when you do that with one sacred partner, you agree to that. And you say, we're going to do this. Our darkness is going to come. We're going to hold this with each other. We're going to do this with the purpose of healing but when you try to do that and act like you're nonchalant and not attached when you're really not at that level spiritually you're just going to create a disaster and it's just not going to be what you think it's going to be you know and some people have really high active sexual energy and really feel like they need multiple partners and i get that i understand it but it's all it's all just what's right for the person But if I'm working with someone that has like really strong sexual energy like that, I will usually coach them to work on practices to see like, why is your sexual energy just like so overstimulated Mm -hmm. at this point? And and maybe we can do some things to bring it back in balance so that you could, you know, have a different experience with it. Because there are a lot of people that have way overstimulated sacral chakras and, and that does lead to addictions and just the need you know, to express that energy again, and again, and again, and again. So that's just my perspective. I share the same, I share the same beliefs as,
0: as you do, um, would probably be interesting, I guess, to explore the, the, the other argument of it, but we're not going to do that today, but that's just kind of what I, it just randomly came to me when we, when we brought that up, but, um, yes, I've, I've done some really deep work with you too. Um, there was an exercise that we did that was super profound, the victim imprint exercise that was super beautiful. Um, if you want to kind of talk about that, I just thought that was such an amazing
1: process and helpful process. It is very powerful. And when we're in our traumas of the third dimension and we have a, a view of fear, which is really all that's possible in a third dimensional perception of reality. Everything that we experience around us is going to be perceived through the lens of a victim. When we start to move into a higher dimensional frequency, we're able to start to take responsibility for all of our experiences, understand that we're souls that have causal effect, and that there's sort of a larger thing happening in any particular situation. So In a third dimension, we can only see this lifetime and it it seems like someone's doing something to us, we're being victimized and then we have the sort of pain that comes from that. But we don't really realize we're in a victim consciousness. We, we We are kind of unconscious of our victim consciousness. So the imprint process is to write a letter from the victim's perspective completely that's just ranting and raving of all the things that got done to me and how angry we are and da 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 da, da. And then we, we put the letter aside and then we go back to it from our more, our perspective of our spiritual, radically responsible self. And we look at the messages that the victim is sending, what the victim is saying is being done to them. And then we, we, we look at a way to see it in reverse with responsibility so that it, it sort of uh, dissolves the pain of thinking this happened to me. And then it says this happened to me, but I understand my part in all of it. And I understand now that I'm not stuck in it and that now I can expand beyond that and I can actually release it and heal myself from that pain. So it's, it's just a process of putting the story in front of you because you're telling it unconsciously all the time. And when I work with people, what I do is listen to their stories and I can see their entire soul journey just by listening to their stories. Because all the stories we tell are the stories of our pain. So it's just a, a process to put that story in front of you a little more clearly so you can look at it from a witness or like a, you know, an outside mindful perspective instead of holding it inside. So I'm glad yeah. it was really helpful.
0: It was, it was very powerful. Um, and it also kind of reminds me of some of the exercises that we did through the shamanic rose priestess mentorship as well. Um, you know, the, the justice exercises looking at all of that, which was super amazing. So let's, you know, I feel like there's so much I want to talk to you about and I keep just pivoting everywhere, but I just want to get everything in that I can, Let's talk about the shamanic rose priestess path, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, you know, I know mother Mary was one of your early in uh, Ascension interventions in a while, in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's kind of talk about how that like came to be and, you know, what it is. I know, you know, I know what it is, but let's tell what, uh, let's tell the listeners what, you know, the shamanic
1: rose priestess path is. Sure. Um, So back when I was uh, early in the path, and I said, you know, the path came to me, the Divine Mother and the Lady Ascended Masters uh, really started appearing to me and, and giving me teachings. And, um, you know, for me, it's like, I am not a person that channels so much, but I just get downloads of information. And I've always been a very prolific writer. So I know that one, you know, my, one of my mission tasks is to, you know, capture all this so it can be shared in an organized way with a lot of people. And this lineage started to appear, roses started to appear, um, just images and symbols, chalices, different things. Mary Magdalene started to come into my, to my vision and the, the Christic Sophia, which is the great cosmic mother. So all the, the lady masters that we know are all individuations of that great mother, the great mother womb, the crucible of creation. And so I just started to get schooled basically, and over the years got initiated. And then the, the word priestess came in and this lineage. And I remember past lifetimes when I was a priestess and the temple life and the kinds of trainings that we got. And the, the story started to come back of how these priestess lineages, the holy woman, sacred sexuality. And it's not just sacred sexuality because there's many different ways that the priestess would use her gifts. That, that was just one, one of them and that happened to be my, my lineage, but it was lost on the planet. It was very specifically wiped out in a, a very um, aggressive <laughs> way and on purpose because it's really the mystery of creation. And as the, the planet came into a very dark patriarchal period, that was dangerous information and women having their sexuality and power intact was super dangerous because that was, that was access to our creator abilities. And so it was systematically completely destroyed in a very um, horrible and horrific way over, you know, a couple of thousands of years leading up, you know, to the past like 1,500, 2,000 years where there were some pretty intense, just, so these they just were wiped off the planet, all these teachings. And they went underground in some cases and were kept in secret societies. And, and often you'll hear the association of the rose as a symbol for that sort of secret society that came into being. There were men that were part of this as well. This wasn't just women. The men uh, were the brotherhood and they were the priests, they were the protectors, they were the guardians of the sacred wisdom, which is the divine feminine. And in times way past beyond our recorded history, the way humanity was birthed in this version, because there's been many iterations of beings on this planet, but in these kinds of bodies, When we first came in back in Lemuria in this sort of a form, which is an ancient civilization that got erased as well, the the spiritual teachers were women. And that's my history because I was one of those teachers back in Lemuria and we were shamanic priestesses. We were the high priestesses in our role in the society. The men understood that spirit came through the woman and then the men supported and protected The women as the teachers and the men had their role to, to make sure society was functioning. And it was very, it was a very mutual, it wasn't one above another. It was just a natural, uh, a natural way of being, because in our feminine side is the connection to the soul spirit. And our masculine side is the structure of form and building the structure around that to, to create form. So at that time, in the beginning, those energies were really in balance and everyone knew their role and it wasn't wasn't one above another. But over time, Lemuria started to fall and things started to fall apart. Consciousness started to lower and then all kinds of distortions leading then to Atlantis, which had the same sorts of distortions. Both of those civilizations were destroyed because of those distortions. And then uh, we had to start over in the Dark Ages again after the Atlantis about 13,000 years ago. And we see that as we see humanity creep back out of the darkness again so these teachings have been around long 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 time taken many forms there's not just one version of them Um, but all the teachings just came back and the lady masters were all with me and each of the the masters would give me a certain version of the teachings based on her archetypal energy and that originally became wisdom of the feminine masters Uh, my first journey through the seven gates was the first place that I put that out, but then it it morphed into this uh, training, the shamanic rose priestess. And I've actually expanded it since you've taken it now. So it's a a full six month, six month immersion into the the rose priestess lineage and what the teachings of the 13 rose petal heart signify, And it's ascension path. It it gets you very seated uh, on your ascension path through through the path of the wisdom of the divine love.
0: So how is it different than how, you know, I was taken through it?
1: <laughs> it's, it's similar. It's just longer. And okay. there's more, I add, added more to it, especially, <laughs> especially around the sacred sexuality piece. And I added more around the uh, Ascension piece more specifically. So I just uh, expanded it out a little further. And it also has a component of private private work so that uh, the person will get some some personal support in addition to it, so. That's so beautiful.
0: Question, Mm -hmm. Um, did you offer the
1: mentorship before me? That was the first iteration of it in that version,
0: yeah. Wow, I feel so honored.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like,
0: all I remember was like, I feel drawn to you, I wanna learn from you, what do we do? And you were like, well, we're gonna do this. And then I like called in, you know, vanity as well, one of my best friends. And it was just an amazing experience. And I still like pop out those tools from time to time and definitely feel more resonance and closeness with uh, the lady masters. And it was also at the time that I discovered the Sophia code. So the Christic Sophia energy also resonated as well. Some of them are the same, right? The The women of
1: the so the goddesses of the Sophia Code and also the Rose Priestesses, right? So it's it's the same lineage. It comes through slightly different, you know, and different people bring it through, but it's all the same.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like I talk,
1: that's like that's
0: why I'm literally doing this podcast. Like you mentioned, the word conduit. Like that's how I view myself as a, a spiritual being, having it in this meat sack, having a human experience, and just as the conduit providing, just holding the space and the container and providing the messaging. And we talk about this. I've talked about this with a couple other guests. It's like, you know, many rivers, one ocean. It's like all these, all these different theologies or philosophies of God, source, spirit, all of it. And there's all the synchronicity and you know, similarity to it all. And that's why it's so beautiful, but it's amazing to hear everyone's different version and different story of the path. So I think that's amazing. I call call it the
1: universal curriculum. There's really only one (laughs) curriculum, but there's like this big wheel that has all these spokes to it and you can pick any spoke you want, but you're all going to the same place which is the, you know, the cosmic womb. So (laughs) So whether you take the divine feminine path or the Buddhist path, you know, it, it really, it doesn't matter any true wisdom path. And there are some spiritual or religious, I should say, paths that started, you know, with gnosis of understanding the full path and then got changed quite significantly. So they're not the full path on purpose, but any wisdom tradition that's still in its true, truest form has the entire curriculum it just calls different things it has different names it has different tools but they're really all the same so it's you know spirit knows how diverse we are I and mean, it would be boring if there was only <laughs> one way it to would find be very boring home. so there's lots of lots of different ways and i just recommend people go towards what they resonate with
0: absolutely and i love that the universal curriculum i love that that's so great cuz that's exactly like you know how i how i view it too um, so kind of want to backtrack a little bit. I know we're bouncing all around, but there's so much to learn from you always. And there's, you know, so much to talk about the first part of your journey. You mentioned, you know, assisting women in abusive situations, etc. And I just recently listened to a transmission by Matt Kahn. Are you aware of Matt Kahn? I'm sure you are. Um, And he was talking about soul contracts and relationships. And, you know, he said that once there is an ounce of disrespect or abuse, the soul contract is null and void. And it was very profound, some of the things that he said about soul contracts. But I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. I know you do like you do so much work with the divine feminine and the divine masculine, the beloved relationships Like, let's, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about how sometimes people, and I am guilty of this myself, will continue to stay in toxic or abusive situations because they think that it is a twin flame or, or something of that nature. So can we talk a little bit about that? Mm
1: -hmm. Sure. Um, do you have like a specific question about it or just,
0: well, what's your opinion? I mean, to me, it resonated when he said, you know, any ounce of disrespect or toxicity or abuse, the sole contract is null and void. And then us as sovereign beings have the opportunity to exit. Of course, we always have free will. Oh. Um, but I guess I want to talk about why do you think some people continue to stay in those types of situations? And then. Yeah. if you want to elaborate on the twin flame versus the soulmate versus the beloved or just your perspective on it, love for you to share that.
1: Yeah. Well, why people stay in those situations is because they have what's called trauma bonding and that trauma bonding is karmic and karma is not a punishment. First of all, I, some people have a misperception that karma is like punishing you for something, but it's not. Karma is a tool of learning and growth and evolution. And it's a a tool of responsibility that when we cause something in another lifetime and then we need to understand the reverse of the energy, then we'll be experiencing it. And often these soul contracts, as you say, are karmic uh, contracts with soulmates, or um, because we have many, many, many soulmates to play out different energies to say, okay, I'm going to be the the perpetrator this time, you're going to be the victim, and then we're going to switch. And because we need to learn what it feels like. But in a third dimensional form, there's all kinds of biochemical processes that cause attachments to things, and, and especially when it comes to the biochemical cocktail that happens around a romantic involvement. And so, when that biochemical, like, you know, you can call it love addiction, because there actually is like a something happens very similar to an addiction to anything else when we fall in love. Um, when that gets combined with trauma. It's a very confusing signal, and so people become biophysically attached to the other person, but there's also a very strong energetic component to it, and it's called, you can call it entanglement or cohesion, and you can't see this energy unless, you know, some people have the the clairvoyance to see it, but there's actually cording, fear-based cording that we have tied in, not just in one place, but it can be in multiple places that quantumly ties us back to the other person. The cording, you know, there's all kinds of things out there about cutting cords and removing cords, and that is important. But if you didn't heal the consciousness that caused the cording, the cord will grow back. So you have to actually change your state of consciousness and evolve beyond the trauma bond, which takes healing work and until it's really going to go away. And, and that's very challenging. And a lot of that trauma bonding is also handed to us, not just karmically, but ancestrally. And so we've had these, these experiences with our mother, our grandmother, you know, the, the women or on the father's side, sexual abuse, all kinds of violence, different things. And so we also had it transferred into our energy body the, from the moment of conception, from our ancestral energetic lineage. So it shouldn't be, we don't want to beat ourselves up about the fact that we do tend to go back and go back and and cycle and cycle and and do it a couple of times. There's some people, you know, their whole life and they don't break out of it. It's not easy to break out of it. And the most diligent beings that are really trying to heal spiritually still have a challenge breaking through this. It's one of the most difficult karmas to break. And that's why it's being played out so much in the realm of relationship right now at the karmic partner level, at the soulmate level, at the twin flame level, because those old paradigms of the third dimensional broken fear-based codependent conditional love relationships need to be broken and completely removed from us so that we can start to begin to create new models based not on love as control, but love is freedom and unconditionality. And that's, that's a big journey because we've been really stuck in those cycles for a long time. And I have found if you don't have spiritual level tools, multidimensional tools, alchemical tools, in addition to just exercises to help you really shift your consciousness so that you have that aha moment where all of a sudden you see why you're in that cycle and why you haven't been able to let it go. and And then you really do evolve out of it and but you it, you don't get there till you get there <laughs> unfortunately there's not a shortcut a healer can't fix this for you a healer can cut the bond they can help you they can balance your energy but if you have that consciousness in you you just recreate it
0: yeah that kind of makes me think a little bit about like the vortex and like Abraham Hicks and like your actual, your vibration, like, okay, like, so you can say like you want differently and you want to be out of it. Right. But if your inner vibration is still vibrating at that other frequency, then you're still going to be attached to it is basically what I'm getting right. It's exactly what you're saying
1: yeah and I think I, I, it's a shame to me. I don't disagree with the the vortex teachings, but I just think they're way simplified. It's way more complicated. Oh, is. yeah,
0: they are definitely <laughs> simplified, and I think it's yeah. it's almost, you know, I love I love them for what they are. and this is yeah. kind of my philosophy on life in general is take what you need and leave yeah. the rest. Yeah. Um, I get a lot out of it, but I also get myself really stuck because it's like, okay, well, if I attracted this dark scenario, then by the law of the vortex, it means that I'm dark when really it's a lot more, it is way more complicated than just that,
1: yeah. right? You have, you have things that you have participated in creating, but they're unconscious, subconscious level vibrational things that you're not consciously aware of that are still keeping the activation of, of whatever this negative thing is alive and activated within your energy field. So yeah. it's, it, it's not a simple thing, but it's very doable we can all heal from it. You have healed from it. I have, you know, we, we all have to go through that, but uh, I really, it's, I, it's difficult for me to see that the true healing at the causal level, if you don't use spiritual tools. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. you know, just using the mind or just sort of a, a mental approach to it or, or things like that are just not going to be sufficient because, and that's really, you know, the shamanic view of understanding ourselves as energy beings. You have to really see what's happening in the energy body to understand. It's the so
0: it. multifaceted. It is yeah. more than just the surface, just like you said. Yeah. And then another thing, like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the cord will grow back maybe not even necessarily with that meat sack, but it would be attracting the same type of energy, different meat sack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So
1: that cord of mm-hmm. distortion yeah, exists. It's, same. It, it's like an imprint of distortion and it's vibrating and it's going to attract, you know, and, and often it will attract another karmic, you know, because that's, that's what we do because we mm-hmm. already have these things with so many people, but Yeah, it's hard work. So I don't want you or anyone else to beat themselves up about having gone into those spaces and how difficult they are because I have worked with so many people and it just takes time and it takes inner work and it takes digging in and it's really digging and figuring out, gosh, what is inside of me that's so unconscious that needs to come to light so that I can really shift my consciousness and then it will dissolve from my life. But there's all, if it hasn't dissolved yet, there's just still a piece in there that needs to come to the surface. And to look at it from a little bit of of a positive, even though they're very difficult situations, you know, the mirror is coming to you to heal (laughs) because you wouldn't know it was in there. Oh yeah. If it didn't get activated by the person. So they're, you know, as awful as they can be, there there is a, a very powerful, positive purpose.
0: Yes, I think like in the 5D perspective, it would be like those people that hurt us the most love us so much in the 5D, like before our souls came into these meat sacks, we were up there wherever we were (laughs) and made this agreement like, okay, I love you, but I'm going to treat you like very badly down there, but you're going to elevate. And so Matt Kahn talked about that too. Like, things are elevating me. Like, that's kind of how I try to view things from a 5D perspective, but it's definitely it does take work and time and dedication to your ascension path, Mm -hmm. like to start to see life in that way. But once you do, it's like, it's so beautiful. So yeah, I mean, I've been on, I guess I was unconsciously on the ascension path, but then, you know decided to commit to the Ascension path officially, you know, like last year. And, um, what would you recommend for someone who wants to join the Ascension path? Like wants
1: to do that for themselves? Like where, where would, where do they start? Well, um, it's a process and I, I offer an Ascension mentorship. So, and I really will, Will work with someone where they are because it's, and usually I find that when people are ready to say, like you did, okay, I'm consciously ascending, they're kind of at a a certain point that I see everyone kind of enter that path. You know, there's kind of before and after (laughs) what's happening. So, like, tell me more.
0: (laughs) What do you mean?
1: (laughs) It's a state of vibration that they've reached and it's like a tipping point. It is a
0: tipping point.
1: Yeah, and once and they always will enter, you know, when they find me as a teacher or someone else in the word ascension is really starting to mean something and interest them, they're 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 energetically at that tipping point where they're ready to have and really the the what needs to happen is you have to have the will to do it. Because what happens prior to that tipping point is you see a lot of people out there that are really interested in spirituality and doing spiritual things and all the looking spiritual and sort of, you know, spiritual material, wearing,
0: wearing their light, As, but not being the light but,
1: or not understanding what it means really. Right. Well, True. There's that. Of, of trying to be bad people. They, they just haven't come across it yet at that level. And they're kind of looking at it and exploring it, but they haven't really, it's called the wide path and the narrow path. Mm-hmm. Many are on the wide path, kind of spinning around. And a lot of people will say, I've been on my spiritual path my whole life. And it's like, and where are you going? I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. But I do these practices every day. And so the narrow path gets real specific and real it got real. It got real <laughs>
0: concrete for me. I'll say that when yeah. our intention was my intent was to ascend. And how can I continue to do that? And sh- yeah. there were shifts and yes. there's been shifts continually shift continually shifting yeah. meeting you was definitely a, a pinnacle moment and just it's been just a beautiful journey like getting to know you and working with you and yeah so i'm glad that you did a little pitch for yourself there i was going <laughs> to throw that in cuz we're you know almost nearing the end of our time together but you know what is the best way for people to contact you if they want to if they want to work with you
1: um, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram as Elaine Marie Rose, uh, or Elaine Marie Rose Priestess on Instagram, and you. My website is called Path of um, dot com, and I think Lindsay will, will have that in some of the graphics for the. For the yes, interview. I will. So you can contact me through any of those three three ways. Yes. Well, is there any? So we're
0: coming up on Valentine's Day, right? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, is there anything that you feel called to share, like, just to the divine feminine, divine masculine? We're in this, you know, month of love coming up on Valentine's Day. You know, you do a lot of discussions around the beloved. Do you have like a little final message for us?
1: Well, I will say that 2022 (laughs) is the year of union. Okay. And well, we've been in a major uh, Venus event since November. And we had a really big Venus retrograde that was breaking all of those old paradigm relationships. And we have an incredibly supportive astrological alignment of Venus and Mars coming together in Capricorn from the two days after Valentine's Day on the 16th until the middle of March or the, the first week in March. So the energetics of the new paradigm of relationship, sacred relationship, the divine masculine, the divine feminine are everywhere. They're very supportive. And if you want to, if you feel called to use a sacred relationship as as a path to awaken, it's a beautiful, beautiful path. And I'd be really happy to, to assist anyone that felt like they wanted to come onto that path. But it's, you know, we have a lot of romantic ideas about about love. And a lot of that path can shatter some of that and and understand that human love is not actually love. And we've all experienced conditional attachment for a really long time and called it love. And now we have to experience unconditional love as freedom so that we're not trying to control the other person into getting our needs met. And we need to understand that sometimes when we're infatuated or feeling in love with someone, that if we dig deeper, that's actually not love. It's actually, it's it's It's, a base sphere of needing to have our needs met and get something. So we just need to mature into our divine feminine and our divine masculine and balance our inner polarities of the feminine and the masculine. And we can all ascend up into this new experience with the new earth and be the divine masculine and the divine feminine. But we have to do our work. We have to take that radical responsibility and not just dream about it in this idealized way. But then not do the work to really bring it into the reality, to bring it into the material world, to to heal the self, so that you could actually meet that divine masculine energetically. Like today, if you think about, oh, I want this perfect soulmate or twin to come to me. Are you ready? Right. Ready? <laughs> to yeah. Meet that, to receive that, and if they're not showing up, likely it's because you're not. And there's just it's okay. That it's not that we need to be perfect, but we need to do the self work to I call it becoming the beloved.
0: Yes. I love it. <laughs> and I love, you know, what you said, you know, it's also like love is spacious and obsession is just love in a masquerade, in a mask. It's not that's not real. That's not love. The control, the possession, the abuse. That's There's not nothing love. to do with love.
1: Nothing
0: love is unconditional and it is freedom. So mm-hmm. Thank you so much for such a beautiful talk. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um, Yes, um, please. If you're interested in connecting with Elaine, please reach out to her Facebook, Instagram, or her website. She is an incredible being. I'm sure you already can tell by that if you are listening. Um, Yes, Elaine, thank you so much for being here for Top of Tuesday this week. And looking forward to next week. Thanks. Thanks, Lindsay. It was a pleasure. Bye.